0: It is the Matt Mosley Show, ESPN Central Texas. Proud to be joined for a, um, a return performance by uh, LaFonso Ellis, and uh, does such a great job on College Game Day. And we had to, we had to track down LaFonso because Game Day is coming to Waco. And uh, LaFonso, this was—I um, guess—I was looking back to see when you joined that College Game Day crew, and I guess it was right around the time. That year, um, Baylor in Kansas, it was number one versus number two. There was a ton of excitement over that. Um, do, you, uh, do you remember the uh, – and, of course, that was the year right before the, the tournament got shut down. Do you remember yeah. all the pomp and circumstance leading up to that particular game?
1: Uh, I remember much of it, and part of that was it was my first year – uh, as a college game day analyst and I was thrilled to actually get down to Baylor because I had been saying uh, for about a year or so that I felt the Baylor Bears were the best team in, in the country and uh, at that time Gonzaga and Baylor had kind of separated themselves mm-hmm. as being like the two elite teams with a whole bunch of great teams following behind them and uh, I've been friends with the Drew family for a long time so i was excited to see Scott Drew on his, on his own turf because I hadn't been to Baylor. And, uh, and of course, playing against Kansas. And, and what better uh, game to have on national television with all of the pomp and circumstances uh, surrounding it, Kansas being a traditional blue blood and, of course, Baylor being one of the new bloods. And so uh, what an incredible uh, in atmosphere we had for that game. The the Baylor faithful were so uh, generous and and hospitable uh, with with our being there, and I just remember having a terrific experience. And when our bosses said recently that we were going back to Waco, I was absolutely thrilled.
0: (laughs) Not everybody's always excited to go to Waco, but uh, we're 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 glad you are. And uh, LaFonzo, I. I went to Baylor, uh, but also, you know, I have my journalist cap I have to put on. But I, I think for that game, if I recall correctly, I did slip up there with my buddies in the stands and uh, and take that one in as a fan. And it's just uh, what a what a what a fun atmosphere. Now, as you've done some of these now, and you've gotten more and more of these college game day. Uh, you know obviously for years it was about the college game day football experience and then over time i guess we go back to 2015 or 16 college game day basketball became a bigger and bigger deal and, and it almost lends itself especially when you get you know the uh the crowds into the gym early like you will at the Farrell center um is it uh, it, 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 does it just keep getting bigger and bigger? Lofonso, it, it I know the, uh, the pandemic was weird on everybody, but since we've all been able to gather again, have you seen even even more enthusiasm as college game day goes to these different sites?
1: Yeah, I, my experience prior to and, and recently the gang, Jay and Seth warned me that it would be the case, the traditional powers that are kind of used to having us there. Uh, we, we get a wonderfully warm reception and turnout. Uh, but clearly when we go to the places that don't see us often or maybe for the first time, uh, it, it's, it's absolutely incredible, uh, the, both the turnout, the energy uh, in the building. Uh, and, of course, our show is not catered to uh, the team that we're, who, who's hosting us, Uh, We're literally having a show talking about all the important topics of college basketball. But of course, anytime we mention the name or a team member or a coach on the staff of the hosting team, uh, the the place just goes nuts. And so um, (laughs) my experience has been since the COVID hit and we weren't able to get out on the road that everyone's excited. Our group, obviously, and then the hosting uh, team, everyone's excited to have us in the house. And so, obviously, that, that makes it so much more fun for us.
0: Okay, LaFonzo, and let us know if you need any uh, restaurant recommendations, okay? You may have discovered some things last time, but uh, <laughs> one, of the, one of the things you have to do, uh, being a guy who appreciates great food, is the, what's called the gut pack. Uh, and then, of course, there's the world famous Georges. I don't know. You're a very spiritual man. You may, uh, much like the Baylor people, you may stay away from the drink. But uh, the Big O, the Big O schooner, is a very famous thing in Waco at Georges Bar. So, uh, lots of lots of fun opportunities for places to visit. Now, the game itself. Uh, Talking to LaFonso Ellis, part of the College Game Day crew. Uh, this sets up. This going to be a really interesting matchup. Huge for both teams. Kansas right now Kansas could really put its foot down on Baylor as far as in the mm-hmm. conference race with a win sure. Bears sure. are you know it's one of those things nobody can talk about Baylor without talking about all the injuries but at some point sure. of course they got to get out there and play and as you sure. remember uh, Notre Dame and then playing for the Nuggets and all those years in the NBA, if you're out there, you're expected to perform. So I, I, I find myself sometimes, Lafonso, almost wanting to tell the announcers, you know, we all love to tell announcers things, hey, let's stop talking about the injuries for a little while. If they're on the court, you know, they're playing. But, but again, it's a big part of the story. Baylor's been banged up. What yeah. What is what, – what's the ceiling for this Baylor team as you see it, knowing – that you know you you're certainly not going to have your full complement of players.
1: Well, I, I think it depends on the health of LJ Crier uh, right now. I mean, the reality is you know we can, we can't avoid the reality. The reality is Baylor was 15 and 0 before they started having injury issues, and in a team that looked like it had a legit chance to defend its title uh, with all of the injuries that it's had. Uh, James Akinjo was playing, but we know we can look at his numbers and see that he was playing at an elite level before he started having uh, his, his back issue. And since then, you know, he's kind of been up and down. And then LJ Cryer at the time was the leading scorer on the team. And, and, and you lose Jonathan Chach, Jonathan Chama Chachwa who goes out and, and people may look at it and go well, that's only like nine, 10 points a game, but, uh, that's nine to ten points a game, plus the fact that he's the best ball screen uh, defensive defending big in the country, and that's meaningful. His energy, his athleticism, his leadership out in the floor leaves a big, big void. And 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 so, absent those three guys at full go, then I I think Baylor's likely a sweet 16 team uh, could be even more vulnerable in the first weekend if L.J. Mm-hmm. Cryer is not available, and partly not because they're not talented, but it's more because they don't have depth. And that's one of the concerns that I have going into the Kansas game. I think Baylor's going to have to slow down the pace a bit because, as you know, Kansas is on makes and misses. They run their basketball right up, right back at you. And, uh, the, the, you know, Kendall Brown has made tremendous strides, a terrific athlete. And, and I love the way some of the other guys, obviously, Adam Flagler, Coming off, uh, I, I, it was at least 27 points when I was watching. He may have made it to 30. Mm-hmm. So they definitely have enough firepower. My issue is, are they going to have enough depth? And is L.J. Cryer going to be available to play?
0: Yeah, it's, uh, he ended up with 29 in that game. And, and, he, you know, he's got that unbelievable range. And I guess mm-hmm. we, can, we can credit Steph... I'm sure there was somebody before Steph that had like shot it from way out there but it's funny how now we only think of Steph because of uh he he popularized that. And, and sure. I had to laugh, you know, after watching him in the All-Star game the other night and then watching Flagler in that game, you know, I'm yeah. like did did Adam watch that because it, these guys have <laughs> n- no conscience anymore. You know, they, uh, yeah. as far as um conscience, uh, as far as where they launch that thing from and in but in flat and by the way to your point uh crier's the same way he's got yes. tremendous range as well oh, for sure take me take me back think about when you were a freshman at notre dame you know y'all had you played all four seasons and then were a lottery pick you played a ton of games i look back at some of the other notre dame greats like if, even if you go back to like dantley and woolridge and those guys those guys played All four years. Well, Kendall Brown could easily be an NBA pick and leave Baylor after this year. So it's a different – you know, there's so much pressure on a guy to be good in this one season you might have him. When you look at Sohan and then you study – Jeremy Sohan and you study Kendall Brown, what I'm seeing is, you know, Sohan seems – to be a little more the mature player right now. Obviously, he's got that European background. What are you seeing with those two guys? And, and I mean, do you think even by the tournament we, they could even make another leap?
1: Well, Kendall Brown is an elite athlete. I mean, you're talking about a dude who can put his hairline on the front of the rim, either off two feet or off of one. So his ability to be able to attack and hang in the air a little bit and be able to finish. Obviously, his ball handling needs to improve, and it will because he's an excellent worker. And Jeremy Sohan, I mean, every time I see him, I see something more that I love about him. And I feel like he's flying under the radar with regard to the NBA because uh, you're talking about a guy that's got a three ball He's got a mid-range. He can drive it and change speed, change direction. Uh, obviously, his finishing around the rim is going to get better, but he's got a beautiful pull-up jump shot. And the reality is that comes into play with all of the shot blockers in the NBA. And I love Jeremy Sohan's game. I, I absolutely love it. So in terms of more skilled, Jeremy Sohan fits that description, the better athlete obviously goes the other way to Kendall Brown. And so uh, I do, I I think they're making strides along the way. And of course, uh, Scott Drew is just brilliant. I I, I was interested to see uh, once Jonathan Shama went out, would he keep playing man-to-man defense or would he mix up man and zone? And sure enough, he went back to that 1-3-1 zone and that 1-3-1 zone really uh, kept Oklahoma State, who's more of a driving team, from being able to get in the lane. And it really threw their game off and threw off their momentum. And so that will give Baylor a chance because you just don't see that 1-3-1 one, one very often. And the slides in it are perfect. And you have a guy like Kendall Brown who at the last second when you think you may have a little mm-hmm. short corner shot who can actually come block and or alter that shot and and allow Baylor to be be able to get it out and transition on the other end. So I I still think, uh, again, if LJ Cryer is available, James Akinjo is continuing to get back to 100% health, his ability to be able to get in the lane and make plays for himself and his teammates. Now all of a sudden he's got two elite-level shooters on either wing, whether it be Cryer on one side or Flagler on the other, especially when they go small with uh, Kendall Brown and Jeremy Sohan as the four and five. So I do think the Sweet 16 is reachable as long as that group is healthy, and then it depends on matchups from there.
0: All right. And, and by the way, Baylor fans appreciate you over, over the years. You know, even in that national championship run, seemingly um, a lot of people basically said, well, the Zags may be one of the best teams ever, and the bears, uh, the bears are, uh, you know, they're they're good, but they certainly can't they can't hang with the Zags. And I think as Mark Few would tell anybody, that that played a role. You know, sometimes we go, oh, the chip on the shoulder thing, that doesn't really come into play. I think Mark Few, uh, the Gonzaga coach, uh, Lafonso absolutely thought it came into play and that Baylor got sick of hearing everybody say they didn't have a chance against Zaga, and they came out and put a whipping on him. But, uh, Lofonzo, as I recall, you you stuck with the Bears through all that. So just know the Baylor fandom does does remember that and appreciate that.
1: Well, well, they, it, it was a fact, though, and I, and I said it before, is two years ago Baylor would have won a national championship because I had been saying for two years that e- even if they met on a neutral court in the – uh, non-conference season, so obviously outside of the NCAA tournament, Baylor was a bad matchup for uh, for Gonzaga. And the reason they were a bad matchup is Gonzaga runs that flow offense. Uh, they really only – and it's a beautiful offense. Drew Timmy on the interior. Of course, they had Jalen Suggs, Corey Kispert. Uh, but they they weren't used to having a team, one through five, be able to get up in and underneath them. So most teams love to reverse the ball through their fours and fives. Well, now you're talking that's Jonathan Shamachachua that's up into your four and five who's not allowing you to make that reversal pass. And if he does catch it, Jonathan's using his hands to try to uh, keep the guy from putting the basketball on the floor or keep them from making an easy pass. And then on the offensive end, Baylor had something that no other team in the country had, which were three elite-level shooters at the one, two, three position. <clears throat> excuse me, at the one, two, three position, who could also put it on the floor to pull it up or get to the rim to make a play. And certainly if help came to be able to kick it across the floor. So I always felt that Baylor was a bad matchup from Gonzaga and it proved to be so. And again, had uh, we not had the COVID season, Uh, two years ago, Baylor would have won it there and would have repeated last year. And I had very great confidence in that, not based on anything with my relationship with Scott or my love for the Baylor Bears. It was just a fact, and it proved to to, to be so. The only person on that uh, Gonzaga team, a team that that could beat Baylor, was a team that had multiple guys who could put it on the floor and create plays. Gonzaga only had one, and that was Jalen Thugs. And if you think about it, he was the only impactful player in that game for gonzaga he had 19 points and i don't think anyone else was even close
0: yeah and i'm also grateful to ucla for taking that game so deep and pushing them like they did i think they sure. uh they they played a complimentary role in that but i i uh i think you're dead on on all of that the uh and I, by the way i love the um your your relationship with the drew family i think you told the story last time i had you on but you uh you 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 know met uh, Scott's uh, dad and mom and, and just uh, y'all had a really neat time and so what a cool history that is and we're fortunate enough in uh, in in Waco to get to see Coach Drew uh, talking about Homer Drew and uh, that's that's really uh, LaFonso, that's become kind of the one of the first families of coaching uh, because Bryce obviously uh, has has got his coaching career going again yeah and uh, that's a that's a pretty unique family.
1: Yeah, they're a beautiful family. They they really are very very genuine, warm, and and take their faith very seriously. And uh, I, I'm honored to to be a friend uh, of the family, and and really wish them well.
0: All right. Well, we we wish you well and congratulations. By the way, I did see where you were added to the. Um, you should have been in there a long time ago, but whatever. It's uh, you're a very gracious <laughs> person. Uh, the Notre Dame. Uh, Ring of Honor, and uh, what a what a cool thing that was! And I know that just happened. Uh, I think what in December it wasn't that long ago uh, that you went in the Ring of Honor, and what a uh, there's some some unbelievable uh, players in those rafters, and you're one of them. So congratulations on that too, because what a what a tremendous honor that is.
1: Yes, it is. Uh, the outpouring of love and support in and around that event was. Uh, literally indescribable, and uh, I, I never thought I had the chance or opportunity to uh, join that select group. And I'm very grateful to whomever the silent committee was that uh, thought well enough of me to to have me inducted into it. And so, uh, what 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 a beautiful opportunity to celebrate God's goodness with my family and my friends for that weekend. It was definitely a, a weekend for the ages.
0: All right. Well, you still are all over those record books, as I uh, looked when I was looking at the uh, before this interview. So you uh, you still own a lot of those records. Uh, listen, safe travels. Can't wait to see you on saturday night or actually saturday morning and uh by the way dave aranda would be a fun guest the 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 coach of the big 12 champion bears and he seems like a quiet introvert and he is but he's actually kind of a funny guy so you'll keep that in <laughs> mind as you're deciding who to talk to
1: you got it i look forward to it
0: <laughs> okay Thank. thanks for doing it lufonzo
1: my pleasure thanks for having me on
0: There he goes, LaFonzo Ellis, joining the Matt Mosley Show on ESPN Central Texas, and it's time to talk a little bit more about the the women's team tonight at Oklahoma State in Stillwater. We uh, talk about that next.